<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Young Hefe, homes. So scary, won't let them bury me That's why I keep my 30 I shoot like carry And boy, I'm getting money I'm getting money uh-huh. Welcome back to Don V Fridays Reporting live from the 757 Your boy has returned I made it back I'm officially a Virginian again Uh, What a time to be alive Drift, how you living, my boy? I'm doing pretty good. This is my uh, it's actually my last week in my current living situation. So just like you moved, I'm going to be moving soon, too. Uh, I'm going to be leaving Detroit in a couple weeks. My internship is ending. So I got to figure some stuff up. This is going to be a big a big month. I got I got so much shit coming up in August. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad you're back in Virginia, back in the home state. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to get after it. We got a big season coming up. Yeah, man, back in the motherland, back in the motherland, the more, the, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Been seeing a lot of people out of known from back in the days, man. Some people still ain't on shit. Some people I'm done leveled up. Uh, it, Virginia didn't change a lot, uh, especially where I'm at. Virginia didn't change a lot. It's casinos and shit now. Like. I grew up in the I grew up in the old Virginia, where Virginia was like a conservative state. It was a red state. Uh, you damn sure ain't had no casinos. It 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 legal weed. I'm not a weed smoker at all. I never smoked weed, but people can smoke weed now. It's legal. It's it's, it's a different place. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. From the Virginia I grew up in, but uh, Spotify Green Room is a live audio only. Sports Talk platform is free to download and to use. You can talk to fans, athletes, insiders in real time. Get all the – you can stay posted up on all this Aaron Rodgers drama and all the NFL camp news that's going on and up to date on who getting cut and injuries. And this it's room's jumping off 24 hours a day. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns. Reacting to breaking news, um, is is uh, is conversations going on, and you have a chance. You can join in on conversations and have a chance to be featured on some of your teams on some of like your favorite teams' podcasts. It's guys on their recording podcast too, so make sure you uh, 
you know, join in on some of these conversations. You might be featured on a team podcast, you know. Um, it's, it's like I said, it's rooms being hosted every week, 24-7, like I said. All you need to do is download Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS app store. Uh, create a profile, link your Twitter, join leagues, groups. You'll be notified when you know certain rooms go live. Um, like I said, Spotify Green Room iOS app store. Um it's been a lot of uh, last week we had covered ACC Media Day and everything. And now we're getting into preseason rankings and all ACC and who's going to do what and who predictions. And the all ACC team was released. Um, a very interesting list because you got two Hokies on it. One, I think we all expected and James Mitchell, and one that kind of caught me by surprise in Amari Barno, but yep. some other notable names before we get into the meat of it. Sam Howell at quarterback. I don't think that, no. I don't think at this point that surprised anybody. Yeah. Um, Bam Knight from NC State and Mateo Durant from Duke. Those did honestly surprise me because I really thought you got um, you got Cam Harris from Miami at running back. Maybe he, maybe people yeah. thought he got snubbed. Um, I don't think nobody from Tech would have made it, but there's too I, mean, I, thought, I thought Bam Knight. I thought Bam Bam Knight is probably deserving of the spot, but Mateo Durant from Duke. I don't know. I probably would have put Cam Harris in that spot. Yeah. I mean, it looked like they were kind of uh, like it. Was, it looked a little bit closer because this list does bring in the votes and. Uh, he's like Durant's only got 49, and that's like I think the second lowest amount of qualifying votes next to Nick Jackson, linebacker from Virginia. So it was they probably were just like, yeah, exactly. who played probably, last you know, year? Cool. <laughs> that's exactly. all that was. Who played last year? Who got enough stats from last year where we can justify this? Because, yeah, uh. Justin Ross from Clemson, which is interesting interesting because he was the one that had the, the neck not injury, but like a he had like a procedure where they found something with his neck where he could have not played football ever again. Yeah. Something like that. Um it's good to see he can play again and he is back, but um will he recapture that true freshman when he was Torching Nick Saban's defense and Bama defense. Uh, I yeah. think, you know, before this freak neck thing, Justin Ross would have, this would have been a no brainer, him being a uh, number one receiver. Zay Flowers from Boston College is a monster. I don't even think that's up for argument. Yep. Jakari Roberson from Wake Forest. I ain't going to sit up here and argue with this shit. Um, I, yeah, all I those do, all those make sense. It makes sense. Yeah, they make sense. Think, it's not really too much debate at this point. You can make the case for other people during the season, but in terms of preseason, right. I think those wide receivers make sense. Right, I, I think so too. Especially is it like Zay Flowers? It ain't even nothing to talk about when it comes to Zay Flowers. Um, Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Georgia Tech, got the all-purpose. Um. 
I think I think Gibbs honestly should be up here over Mateo Durant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be I was honest. the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. I think it might be more of like uh, Gibbs is going to do more in different roles where Durant might be a, like more strictly a running That's back. That's a running back, but still Gibbs a better running back than him too. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. He should have had him up here twice. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk all purpose, I would have made a case. I would make a small case for Raheem Blackshear, but I mean Gibbs. But I mean, if you put Gibbs at that running back spot, and then you put Blackshear at that all-purpose spot, you know, I wouldn't have fought nobody over it. Yeah, but um, yeah, offensive line. Blackshear definitely. Blackshear could definitely sneak in there. Uh. If he gets the amount of touches, I mean, I think for him, it's just getting him the ball is the biggest thing. I think we all think he's got the talent. I think the rest of the conference thinks that he has the talent as well. But I think it's just the amount of touches. That's the thing. If he gets a lot of touches, we could we could end up seeing him somewhere on this list. But it's just a matter of getting him the ball, honestly. Getting him the damn ball. Um, Boston College is represented on the offensive line on here twice. Uh, Boston College is known. Boston College is like a low-key Wisconsin where, like, they don't get four-star, five-star offensive linemen, but it seemed like every year they got a left tackle and they got a center that's, like, elite, better to go first round, second round. Uh, Right. I don't know who their uh, offensive line coach is or was, but it seemed like Boston College always got offensive linemen that's, that can produce at a high level. Right. That is definitely their niche. Uh, they always have mass. They're always huge, too, is the other thing. And that's kind of where they always give Virginia Tech trouble is they always seem to run the ball well against Tech. So Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But moving on to defense where this is the all-Clemson team, all-Clemson conference when it comes. That's what they mean yeah, by all-ACC. Clemson represented at every single position here. Clemson is represented, <laughs> like like just said, all three levels of the defense. Clemson is represented. Everybody know about Brian Bessie, probably the best interior D lineman in the country. Uh, Miles yeah. Murphy, uh, James Skalski, Andrew Booth Jr. at corner, Nolan Turner. Everybody know Clemson got the best defense in the conference. Uh, I think that go without saying, but for the non-Clemson guys, like we mentioned early, earlier, Amari Barno, which was a surprise for me, it was honestly a surprise for me. Um, yeah, to, he's he's been rising up on seems like everybody's board recently. Uh, it yeah. might just be his like his physical traits, and I guess he did like when he flashed last year, he really flashed, and right. I guess like I guess scouts that are that are looking at like some of his flash plays and his size compared to the rest of this conference. I, I think this conference's edge class this year is not going to be that that good compared to what it was last year. Uh, so I think that's kind of why he's sneaking in there. Uh, but it wasn't like he blew everybody out with votes either. I mean, Barna only had 63 votes, um, which was on the lower end with all these other guys. So, But it is yeah. nice to see him up there. I think he could definitely be a first-team first, uh, first team player. And Barno was – and Barno – is not was Barno is like a hybrid where like he he stood up at times he put his hand in the dirt at times yeah. and 
I was saying this in, in live streams, and I might have said it on the podcast once or twice. Barno was producing and had no technique. That shit was all hustle. Mm-hmm. It was all motor, like all relentlessness, hustle, and motor. Technique right. was ass. If Barno gets half of some technique, if he gains some technique and some like one or two pass rush moves, I would say he's a second round pick. He's Barno right now with no technique is probably a fourth, fifth round pick. Just off size, motor, all that. If if he gets one or two moves, he might make him some real money as a, a second, yeah. a second or third round pick. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And the, and you know the thing is that might even push him up the board is he's like he might even come out to the draft if he has a really good year and I I know people are going to be pissed when I say this, but if he has a really good year and he goes into the draft, he might be looked at as like a poor man's Kayvon Thibodeau just because of the size. Like their size, the way they're built is very similar and I could see Barno being like a second late first round pick where he's like that 32 edge rusher. There's always like a 30 edge rusher that gets picked 32 and he could, he might be able to slip up there, but that that's saying that like he really refines his, his pass rushing moves and, and produces at a higher level. But I, I think that he can do that. Like he has that upside, which I don't, I don't remember the last time a Virginia tech defensive end had that upside. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a, a Virginia Tech DN with big upside. It probably was Chris Ellis who went to Bethel High School here in Hampton, Virginia. And he went, I want to say Chris Ellis went in like the sixth round to like the Steelers. Might have even been the seventh round. He he ended up being a late round pick. But um, yeah, shout out but, to Amari Barno. Yeah. You compared him to Thibodeau. From Oregon, just in size, just in size. Just in size. I always look, look at him like rules. a Charles Snowden from UVA. Yeah, like he kinda, yeah. He gives me Charles Snowden vibes, but he's like, he's not big. He's not like the biggest DM, but like his length and yeah. his uh mm-hmm. wingspan kind of gives off. Kind of gives off Charles Snowden vibes. Who, but I think I, where he gets Charles Snowden is like the speed and the quickness. I think that's kind of what hey. separates him. I mean, like Barno's fast as hell. Like he he can play in hey. space. So he ran down Trevor Lawrence. Like yeah. Trevor Lawrence had ran. Had, he had broken tain. Trevor Lawrence had got outside the pocket and Barno ran his ass down and tackled him for a loss. So yeah, I mean, you also have to remember too. The reason I'm saying that he could go so high is because, like, right now in the NFL, these type of hybrid defensive ends are valued so heavily. Like, can they play in space? Can they drop in coverage? Can they rush the passer? Can they play against the run? Like, do they have the size that's required? Can they, Are they fast yeah. enough? Like, he checks all those boxes. And, like, that's why I think he could be, like, one of these guys now. Like, if he was playing 15 years ago, he wouldn't have the hype around him that he has right now. I think it's just the way that the NFL is going just fits his mold. Yeah. Now the the question the question us as Hokie fans about Barno is can he set the edge in the run game? Because if I'm an offense if I'm an opposing offensive coordinator, I'm running I'm running his way. I'm running his way all day. Um until he proves he can he can stop the run. But I had a I don't want to say I had an issue, but if I could take somebody off the defensive side, Tyler Davis at interior D lineman 
I'm putting Nesta uh, Silvera from Miami in at that second interior D lineman spot. I think Nesta is a monster. Yeah. Um, I think Nesta is a monster. When we played against Miami last year, and I know Phillips, I know Jalen Phillips killed us, but Nesta killed us too on the interior. Um, I would that 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 might be my only big issue. Not it ain't even a big issue. Because yeah. Davis can play too, but I, I probably would have put Nesta in there. Yeah, I think Miami's kind of had a couple snubs on this list, honestly, out of all the teams. It seems like Miami's kind of the one getting snubbed. Yeah. They got I'm not, I'm not the one on I'm there. not the one to stand up and like defend Miami, but Right. That, that's what I would say, honestly. Just looking at the players. Right, no, no Bubba Bowden is definitely deserving of that safety spot. Yeah. Um who you never know. The thing about Miami is you never know. Miami got the potential every year to win eleven games or win six with the yeah. same roster. Like it, it always be dependent on other factors, coaching, that the, the, the mood, the mood in the room, who's right. quarterback in. Uh, it's always weird over there. But uh, yeah. Miami does have two on on this list: Bubba Bowden and their punter Lou Haley, who looked like a. Who looked like a fucking like he runs the Aryan Brotherhood in the prison in San Quentin or some shit, but um he's Australian. I don't think he's a white supremacist stuff. I want nobody to come fuck me up over that, <laughs> <laughs> bro. You listen, let me tell you something. As a black person, if you say a white person is racist, looks racist, all that shit, you better prove it. <laughs> they will be on your ass, my boy. Better believe that. What do you, what, what do you mean he looks like an Aryan? All this dumb shit, dog. I don't <laughs> want no smoke. I want no smoke, Miami fans. It's a joke. Uh, notable on this list, there's no Florida State Seminoles. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I think people are just not sold. I don't think. I don't think the media is sold on Florida State yet. I think Florida State has like the recruiting hype around them right now. Uh, but I don't think after what we've seen from. Tagger and other G5 coaches, Fuente, going to ACC programs. Uh, I don't think the media is going to be sold on, on, on Florida State right now. But I do think Florida State has a lot of talent incoming, and I think uh, they might have a player to sneak on this list. But I don't think it's likely. I think next year though is when they could be good. I think Florida State though is um is I think Florida State being good for the being good is really good for the ACC. I think the ACC needs Florida State to be good. Um, and we can talk about that more when we get to the conference realignment. But um, the, the, the ACC definitely needs Florida State to be flourishing. Yes. But, it's, but the only Florida State player who could possibly make an ACC, all-ACC team in the postseason when it's over with is the quarterback Mackenzie Milton, and he ain't played since he hasn't played at elite level since when 2017. Yeah, when, when UCF won that, when UCF won that national championship that they claim, right? Um, when healthy and pre-injury, Mackenzie Milton was one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. So yeah, is is if he washed, ain't nothing to talk about. But if he can regain some of that. Then he'll he could probably be all ACC honorable mention or third team behind obviously Sam Howell, DJ Uyangale, 
and that that third that third spot, well, yeah, in the Eric King, mm-hmm. but he might get the honorable mention spot. Um, uh, Mackenzie Mill might get that honorable mention. Um, yeah, I think Florida State's interesting this year. I th- I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know. I mean, they're they gonna be trash very, this year. Yeah, they might be trash. Uh, but oh, they, they might be trash. They 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 coming off a season where they won like two games. Yeah, no, they're I gonna agree. be trash. But I think individually. McKenzie might put up enough numbers to get some all ACC looks mm-hmm. at the end of the season. Right. Um, we could t- the other thing about this list too is Tony Grimes being on there instead of Jermaine Waller. Um, how do you feel about that? Because we've been seeing, a, a, we'll, and the, we'll talk about this in a little bit too as well. But like, seems like a lot of the media is like super high on tech players, specifically Jermaine Waller. We keep seeing him as like ranked as the best corner in the ACC. So do you think it's odd that they have Tony Grimes on here instead of Jermaine Waller? I want to say because logic never holds up. So somebody in the ACC would say Jermaine Waller didn't play a lot last year, so that's why he didn't make the list. But fucking – uh. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. The receiver from Justin Ross, he didn't play at all last year. He and he's made, got the most votes on the. <laughs> he gets the most offense. votes. So yeah. Who knows? Um, who knows why it's not Jermaine Waller and why it is Tony Grimes? Because Tony Grimes did play sparingly last year, but he was 17 years old. This is right. te- technically supposed to be his true freshman season coming up. He's going to be an 18 year old sophomore. Which is crazy, but um, I I think with Tony Grimes, they're just projecting, and they're not going off of what he's done on the field already. If you're gonna go off of what somebody's done on the field already, then it probably is Jermaine Waller right now. But Tony Grimes might go on to be the better player in the future, if that makes right. any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's definitely got more upside. Um, but what what. I don't know. What strikes me is usually these ACC preseason lists that are, you know, the, like the voted on ones, the reputable ones, they usually err more towards the side of like production and like the best players at the time, not really like projecting who's going to like be elite down the road. So that's why I was a little, a little taken back because I thought it would be more of like, okay, Waller's played and he's been good when he's played. So we'll just put him on there. Uh, but Tony Grimes also doesn't even have that many votes either. So maybe it was close. I don't really know. But um, I do think Grimes has a higher upside. And he might end up being a better player this year too. Yeah, I I think I think the voters just like will be proven right in time. Mm-hmm. That they just go, and they just going off of that. Right. Um, but Jermaine Waller, like you said, is getting love from the – from the Eric McLean's of the world, I think David Hill showed him some love as well. Um, and for preseason player of the year, they got Sam Howell. I don't think that surprised anybody. No, I'm I'm gonna say this about Sam Howell and UNC. The UNC has the best quarterback in the conference. If UNC wins nine games. Like, if all this just ends up with them winning nine games, I don't want to hear shit about UNC no more. Because. I think that's entirely they, possible. 
I remember UNC. Remember UNC from like a decade ago with Butch Davis, mm-hmm. and they had all these first round picks, DNs, linebackers, Quentin Cobles. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but they had so many. They had first round talent all over the field. Marvin Austin was one of the best interior linemen in the country. Yeah, should have been a should have been a first round. He wasn't there yet. I, oh, that, okay. he, he wasn't there yet. I'm talking about like 08, 09 UNC. Mm. Marvin Austin, Quentin Copels, and they had another pass rusher that went like third. Uh, Robert Quinn, a linebacker. They had Bruce Carter who played in the NFL. Just NFL talent everywhere. They had Hakeem Nicks. They had Brandon Tate. Just NFL play, Greg Little, everywhere you went, NFL players. They had TJ Yates at quarterback. They could never win more than eight games. All that NFL talent. All of them played in the NFL, and they could only win eight games a year. Like, I think they ran off, like, three straight eight-win eight seasons. Right. I could and see kind of it kind of bottomed out, like, after that Butch, Butch Davis – they got in some trouble because Marvel Austin was tweeting in Miami about bottles and bitches and all this other shit, and it kind of fell apart, and that's what led to Larry Fedora getting the job and all that. But I say all that to say UNC got to put something together this year. Last, the first year they were supposed to be sorry was the first year. That last year, they go to the Orange Bowl and lose. This year, they got to show something. They might not be better than Clemson, but they got to prove that they are, without a doubt, the unequivocal second best team in the conference, which means they can't lose to no UVA. They can't lose. They lost to Florida State last year, a Florida State team that won like two or three games. One of those was UNC. Yep. So, so what I'm saying is, UNC, you are on the clock because the future of UNC football is on Sam Howell's shoulders, because if he only gets them eight, nine wins, even if he gets them ten, but it's like you got some shitty losses in there. Yeah. Going forward, nobody's gonna take UNC serious. Like they got the juice right now, as far as in the coastal. UNC got the juice. A lot of Hokey fans are like looking up to UNC, like we hope he can beat them. Like we kind of copping out his little brother to them over the last couple of months. So. What's your right. take on Sam Howell, preseason ACC Player of the Year, and UNC in general? I, you don't got I, a preview on, but just like yeah. your current thoughts on them. Um. So okay, my my initial take is that like I I'm not I'm still not sold on UNC, and the reason I'm not is because they had this they had this like great this great second year last year, like you mentioned, and they had all of these talented players, all of these NFL caliber players as weapons on offense. All those players are now gone. And now it's their year to like, now we got to prove something, but we're also without four playmakers that led our offense last year. And they still have Sam Howell. Yeah, that's great. But they still lost four players. Like anytime you lose four players that contributed that much to your team, it does hurt in some way. And that's not to say that they're not going to win a lot of games this year, but they do play Notre Dame, who is going to be good. And they also play Miami. And Miami, 
like we don't know what we're gonna see with Miami. Like Miami has the talent to play with UNC. They might beat UNC. You never know. They they play Florida State again this year. They lost Florida State last year. Um, so what happens there? Like if you if UNC goes through the schedule and drops a game to Notre Dame and to maybe somebody else, maybe that's Miami, maybe that's somebody else, maybe even and. And all and if this happens, they're really fucked. If they fuck up losing, if they fuck up the tech game to start the year, that's gonna oh, set yeah. them back. Oh so, yeah. So and like they lose we, us. We talked they about, they lose, yeah, right. And that's a scary thing to have is like to open against tech. Uh, so I don't think that North Carolina is there yet. I think their window is kind of up in the air. I'm not gonna say it's closing. But I don't think they're really going to be able to do anything this year. I, I think they, they're going to be able to win games, but I don't think they're going to be able to do anything special. And on the off chance that Miami has a really good year and Derek King goes off, he has a chance to even be the player of the year as well. Like I don't think it's Sam Howell's for the taking. I don't think he just walks away with it without anybody putting up a fight. So I think... Yeah, it could easily be yeah, DJ Uyongale, exactly. Especially if Clemson is back in the playoff picture, and right, and Clemson, Clemson will be, Clemson will be back in the playoff picture. We just went through the the preseason list, and they have players at every single position. Uh, they just reloaded, and they're gonna be, they're gonna be a top team. And I, I think they're still a better team than North Carolina. So, um, yeah, it's kind Without of like question. a, it's kind of like an identity crisis era for North Carolina right now and if they can't do anything special this year um, Sam Howell's going to leave and you better hope that the next quarterback is just as good or else they're going to start taking a step back they're going to be I don't think they'll take a step back they're just going to stay where they are the, yeah. the best team the best team in the coastal but never never got past that I think uh, with Mac Brown Let's say that okay. Let's say they do fuck around. They fuck off and they lose three or four games and they win eight eight wins or something like that. That what I'm saying is I don't think they will progress to Clemson level monster. I think they just stay the biggest bully in the coastal. Now they don't give out trophies for that. Um, you don't get invited to the playoffs for that. They'd all they always be more talented than us and better than us, but. I think they have an opportunity to make a leap and get into that Clemson air if they win 11 games this year. They would have to win. I say they need to win 11, maybe even 12 games. Even if they lose to Clemson in the title game and it's competitive and they look like they belong, they can continue to build on that. But they go in there. They go into that Clemson game, that ACC championship game, with a loss to a pit or some bum school, they they got a slip up here and a slip up there, and they lose to Notre Dame. Then it's like, okay, y'all are y'all are the biggest, y'all are tallest midget. You know, kudos, but nobody's right. gonna take them serious as far as on the on the mainstream. Exactly, and you know, we if you go back to that list that we went through before. Um... If I'm not mistaken, there's only two North Carolina players, same amount as Virginia Tech, projected to be uh, all ACC team. So it's not like they're crazy loaded either. I mean, they have Sam Howell, and that's like, okay, we have Sam Howell. Great, good stuff, but that's not 
like you're not a, a giant like Clemson. Yeah. Uh, they got Storm Duck. They got Storm Duck coming back too. And he honestly could have got that that yeah. second that sec he could have got the spot over Tony Grimes, honestly, but you know, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, no. They got a, they got talent coming back. They did lose they did lose four playmakers, but they were all Fedora recruits. Yeah. You know, so it's like maybe the shit they got coming down the line is better than the Fedora shit. Or maybe Mac Brown just an old ass Fuente that just coasted off somebody else's shit. Who knows? Yeah. You never that's know. Why the, you never that's know. why the games gotta get played. Yeah. No, it, we got bad. any recruiting any recruiting news and notes that we need to be aware of? Yeah, so for everybody listening, uh we've if you've listened recently, we've been talking about uh, the next steps for Virginia Tech's recruiting class. And one of the things that we outlined was uh, Cam Miller, the cornerback. Uh, he's a four-star. And he was between Tech and Penn State, and he just committed to Penn State last week. Um, we had mentioned that the class was on the way, was slowing down, and that these final recruits, the Givens and the Ramon Brown, that these were kind of the last sort of big name guys that we were going to see uh, besides the two cams and this being one of them is now at Penn State. So that leaves one more big target recruit, and that's Cam Johnson, if I believe, uh, from St. Francis Academy. So uh, we there was some stuff online about Cam Miller allegedly saying that he didn't like the staff from Virginia Tech, that they were talking behind each other's back, but that was something off of like, Snapchat, so I don't know how reputable that actually is, but um, mm-hmm. this was kind of the one that we I mean, there's been a ton of momentum in the class uh, I'm at fault too in some sort of way, but I did. I have been praising Ryan Smith and this is a Ryan Smith target being that he's a cornerback uh, and they did miss on him, so this is I think one of the bigger misses on the class um, so I mean, there, that's kind of all that it is we'll see how the the Cam Johnson recruitment cycle goes when he ends up committing. It's been kind of quiet on his end, but um, I know Tech is still in the mix for that. Yeah, yeah, losing out on Cam Miller, um, def- definitely, definitely a, a position of need at corner. Yeah. Um, I don't know what James Franklin is selling, but he is he been selling. in he been <laughs> in our as this cycle shit in the next cycle too they already got top virginia yeah <laughs> top yeah. virginia kids not cam miller isn't a virginia kid but uh he got common top commonwealth talent committed to penn state for the 2023 class already uh yeah penn state has been stealing kids away from tech for some time now and it's it's kind of weird too because penn state is not a powerhouse like they're a powerhouse to us in terms in relation to tech but they're not like knocking down the the playoff walls or anything like they are very clearly in the national media's eyes like the third best team in the big 10 and it's like how do they just keep pulling the shit out of their ass every year i i don't know what he's selling over there but it is frustrating seeing so many recruits just like, oh, we're between Tech and Penn State, maybe a couple others, and then they just go to Penn State. And honestly, that's what I thought Ramon Brown was going to do too. 
I thought Ramon, I thought, I mean, before we had heard that they got another running back, I thought Ramon Brown was going to go to Penn State. Yeah. Yeah, the thing about Penn State is they're not Ohio State level, but they're like the tier under that. So that's still good enough for 11 win seasons. That's still good enough to uh, put guys in the first, second, third round, which is honestly the one thing that's most important to a lot of these recruits. So, right. And James Franklin yeah. is a rec- James Franklin is a recruiter. I I don't like when non Penn State fans try to say James Franklin is only a recruiter to try to you know downplay his coaching because James Franklin was winning eight games at Vanderbilt. Like, he didn't get that Penn State job on accident, you know. I don't know if James Frank, I don't know what his race is. I know he's a man of color. Uh, I, I don't be quick to call anybody not white, black. That ain't how I get down because I'm black. So I don't just call every beige, every beige nigga black. He might be Arabian or some shit. I don't know. But um, uh, men of color don't just get the Penn State job because they know people. You right. had it shown. You had it. You had to show you can coach somewhere to get that type of job. Cause trust and believe you me, he ain't about to get no more seasons like he had last year. And mind you, we talking about a James Franklin that's won eleven games, been to the Rose Bowl, won a Fiesta Bowl, like Penn State popping. You know, recruiting, recruiting. They jumping out the gym, recruit. He ain't got a whole bunch of. Fuente years in him, where we gonna give you one more year? No, mm-hmm. his ass out of there. His seat probably hotter than Fuente's, and he then did a whole, whole lot more success. So, yeah. Uh, so, shout out to James Franklin. It is, it is a much bigger program, and I understand why we lose recruits to them, but it is just kind of, it's just frustrating how many we lose to them. I guess is the thing. Oh yeah, James Franklin be in our he be at our top. Mm. He be at our top at our next. That's why the Gunner Givens thing with people saying Penn State didn't even look at him as a take. We still gotta just say fuck it. We got what over them. Like yeah, that's man, how, that's that, how that, bad. That's, shit that's how is. I feel. That's how I feel. Like I'm a, I'm like I don't give a fuck if they didn't want him, bro. At least they didn't fucking get him. Like they could have took him just to be spiteful, like you know. Yeah, they could have just taken him. They could have just taken. And the thing is, is there's not even like a a rivalry. Like we never even play Penn State. You know what I mean? So there's, we were supposed to. Right. We were supposed to. We were supposed to, but we never did. So it's not like they steal recruits and then we see the recruits later. They just steal them and then they're fucking gone. Like it, it's kind yeah, of annoying. Keandre yeah. Lambert is is supposed to get burned for Penn State this year. Uh, you got Devin Ford. Yeah, it, the list goes on and on. Ricky the Slade on was there. I mean, obviously he's, he left, but yeah, Ricky Slade left. was a big one. I remember when he committed, and yeah, that was that was yeah, still they, not good. They'd be all up in Virginia. Trace McSorley, he was from Virginia. He was yep. definitely from Virginia. I think. I think the story goes Tech wanted uh, Trace McSorley as a DB or some crazy shit. That is some Tech shit to do. That is some Tech shit to do. They also, Christian Hackenberg, uh, he's from Pennsylvania but went to high school in Virginia or some shit with the prep school in Virginia. So they've been up in his Commonwealth. uh, They've been up in his Commonwealth life uh, more so than us. 
they just got the number one kid from Virginia for next year as well for the twenty. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I was saying. Yeah. So, oh man, they they yeah. in the mix. They in the mix. They all we all can do, all we can do, is hope and pray that they don't keep ascending because it's gonna get worse if they keep going. They're over with. They're gonna <laughs> be over with. Between between Clemson attacking us from the south and Penn State attacking us from the north, oh, we're gonna man. be going. We're gonna be back in Texas trying to scrape <laughs> shit together again. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but let's news. let's move on. Let's move on. This is all we got for today's show. We actually lost the second half of the episode, and because of uh, kind of our schedules, I was really busy this week. I'm actually moving out right now, and and Vito has been getting settled back in uh, in Virginia, so we just we couldn't find another time. And so this is all we have for you guys. Uh, the second episode, the second half of this show, we talked about conference realignment, uh, West Virginia and the ACC, and why that doesn't make sense. Um, Texas, Oklahoma, obviously, and the rest of the Big Twelve. Uh, you can always catch all of our stuff on Twitter. We talk about everything on there. You can follow me at DriftVT. And for Vito, Vito you can follow him at, at DonV757. Um, we got some big stuff coming up for you guys next week. We're going to be moving, recording platforms. Um, so hopefully the quality will be better for you guys. But as always, uh, God bless, and we'll see you guys next week.